everyone. We're on episode 10 of the Meet Business Women Masterclass podcast. And this time we're exploring confidence with the wonderful Michelle Redfern. Confidence is a topic that comes up time and time again with our members. And it's something that we probably all wish we had a little more of. Our mission at Meet Business Women is to help empower every woman that works in our industry. And so to that end, we're exploring the theme of confidence a lot this year and next. What is it? How can we build it? How can we tackle self-doubt and the imposter syndrome to really understand our strengths and step into them? So on to our host, and there's no better person to talk about confidence than Michelle Redfern. She's a globally recognised gender equality, diversity and inclusion consultant. She advises organisations on DEI strategy and she works directly with women leaders to help advance their careers. Michelle has been recognised as one of Australia's top 100 women of influence. She's won awards for a contribution to women's advancement, and she's super passionate about closing the global leadership gender gap, which clearly comes across in a podcast. As with all our Masterclass podcasts, this was originally delivered on Zoom, and it's available for you to watch back at any time. Just log into your members portal. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thanks so much, Beck, and hi, everyone. It's absolutely brilliant to be with you uh, again today. Um, before I start, I, I want to acknowledge that, uh, speak your pardon, I want to acknowledge uh, the traditional custodians of the land that I'm on today, uh, which is the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I want to pay my respects to elders past and present uh, and acknowledge uh, how our First Nations people in Australia are the longest living, uh, longest continuous living culture in the world and they've looked after our, our land, our sea, uh, our, our waterways and our flora and fauna for, well, a blooming long time. So uh, a, a quick call to action for everyone. I wonder who might be the traditional owners of the land where you are and how might you learn from them. Today, as, um, as Beck said, I'm going to talk about confidence because there is a lot, a lot of discussion about confidence and women typically in the same sentence. Uh, less about confidence and men in the same sentence so um, I want to explore some things and open up a couple of couple of Pandora's boxes to maybe help you think a little bit differently um, about confidence for those of you who haven't met me before um, well I, I, I people say what do you do Michelle and I could answer oh well I, I'm a, a consultant and advisor around diversity equity and inclusion and I do women's leadership programs but what I typically say and what I do say is that, well, what I do is I live my dream. I live my mission every single day because my mission is to close the global leadership gender gap. And I do that by fixing the system. And that fixing the system means I work directly with organisations, with organisational leaders and women in organisations to identify the reasons and the barriers that prevent women from reaching their full potential in organisations. And, of course, if they don't reach their full potential, neither will neither will the company. And the other side of what I do is I work directly with women, like your good selves, to help them have careers that soar and reach their full potential. So fix the system, help women navigate the system. That's essentially what I do, and I do that in all sorts of different ways including uh, partnering with Meet Business Women, which I have been doing now for, I don't know, a long time, and I love it. So uh, it's really terrific to be here, and thank you once again, uh, Beck, Sam, and, of course, Laura, for trusting me to, to take your members 
on a bit of a journey. So what is the journey tonight? Today, it's tonight for me, it's today for you. Um, well, I'm going to drop some truth bombs as I normally do. Um, number one, we're going to examine some truths about what women are told about confidence. And as I said, women are told an awful lot about confidence. So I'm going to go through a few of them. Then I'm going to look at what are the system. Remember, I do the system and, you know, fix the system, navigate the system. I'm going to look at perhaps some of the system-wide issues that create confidence issues uh, in women or the perception of confidence issues. Then we're going to get into the how-to. So this is the navigate. How can you be a more confident businesswoman? And uh, final bits of advice, how all of us might go beyond conventional wisdom that is directed at women. So they're the truth bombs um, today that I'm going to share with you. As always, I encourage um, you to use the chat to, to post your questions. Uh, Beck and Sam will be keeping an eye on that as we go through. Uh, again, I, I won't be because I'm easily distracted. So they'll, they'll shout on out in the uh, midstream if, if they need to, if there's something that uh, that I need to respond to. But of course, we'll have time at the end for questions uh, and comments because I'm interested in how you feel or what you observe or what your insights are about what I'm going to share with you. All right, let's crack on. So women are told a lot about confidence and these phrases that you can see in front of you um, have been taken from the top 10 substantive articles and the book, The Confidence Code, um, the top 10 substantive articles on confidence, women's confidence and The Confidence Code. Now, the Confidence Code, this is, this is not a, a, a workshop to diss the Confidence Code. Believe me, it's not. Um, what I'm going to say, though, right up front is that how might we get the information that we need, not just the information that, that, that society typically wants to direct at women. So you'll, you'll see, um, you know, self-promote, speak up, be assertive, use assertive language, uh, adjust your posture, maintain eye contact, you know, have a firm handshake. I, I must admit, I did have once have a boss that said, Michelle, you must always look at people's teeth uh, because they're a bit like horses. And, you know, when horses have good teeth, you know they're a good horse. I thought that's a little bit odd. So I promise you I don't look at people's teeth, but there you go. Um, dress the part, work on your weaknesses, have the info to get the job done, be authentic, engage others and fake it till you make it. So some of you will recognise uh, those phrases. Some of you of you will have had them directed at you. Some of you may have even given that advice to others and you would certainly have read them or absorbed them across social media or articles. But the question that I'd ask about all, all of that advice is, is that advice really helping women to advance their careers? And this is where... I really want to apply some critical thinking and perhaps provide some evidence to you that maybe that's not the case. And I know you're probably going, where's she going with this? Well, let's look at what the world of leadership looks like for women right now. And as you can see, uh, the, the graphic on the screen, if you've got a little screen looking, the black bits are where uh, all, all the roles that uh, men occupy, the green bits all the roles that women occupy. And as you can see, the closer the, we get to the top of organisations, the skinnier the green bit gets. 
So we, we've got, this is the global leadership gender gap. And, and to point it out in more granular detail, women make up 53, nearly 52% of the global population. And in the paid workforce, women um, are 54% of the paid workforce. Let's jump to the first management rung. Entry-level managers, that representation drops to 40%. And some of you may have heard uh, the expression around the broken first rung. Well, that, that broken first management uh, rung is getting better. because We're now seeing, well, 40%, we're getting there. However, take another step up and senior manager, sort of director level, this is that drops down to 36%. Vice President, next rung up, and of course your organisations may have different structures, so this is global research, down to 32%, Senior Vice President, 28%. Hitting the C-suite, we're down at only a quarter of those roles being occupied by women, including CEOs. And in fact, CEOs of the top companies in the world, uh, so uh, the FTSE 100, the um, Fortune 500 and the ASX 200. So the UK, the US and the Australian, the top, the, the biggest companies um, in those uh, three geographies, that falls to less than 10%. So in less than 10% of CEOs are women in those top companies all around the world. So again, if, if this is the global leadership gender gap, um, is that really related to a lack of confidence in women? And, you know, well, I guess that's the question I, I would love all of you to ask. Um, the next time you hear something about, well, women aren't confident enough, is that really the reason why we see so few women at the top of organisations? So, as I said, there's a lot of talk about women's confidence, but it is rarely seen as a system-wide issue. So let's have a look at, well, let's have a look at those issues. And I've just pulled out four of them for us to examine here today, and we'll have a bit of a chat about them later. System issue number one, gender stereotypes. Now, there's been a bunch of research, but this particular research that I've focused on by Catherine Kaufman says that research, I beg your pardon, that gender stereotypes, rigid gender stereotypes, which start from very young uh, in a girl slash woman's life, uh, can cause women to question their own abilities. Now, I think this is going to be particularly relevant to meet business women because where we see this uh, perpetuated uh, or on steroids is in male-dominated industries. Uh, and typically STEM, so science, technology, engineering and mathematics-led um, industries and other male-dominated industries like yours, there are perceptions around, well, it's just not, the, these are not the places where women can feel confident. How that perpetuates over time, uh, girls aren't good at maths. Uh, girls aren't geared up or, or wired for science. Uh, women's brains are different the men's and if, if well I don't know if there's anyone on this call um, of my vintage but certainly when the book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus came out there was a lot of discussion about how women's and men's brains were just different. Now that is bulldust. 
so I've just caught myself in time there. It is kind of square o'clock over here in Australia, but it's not quite square <laughs> o'clock um, in the UK. But it is rubbish. There are there is no difference. The research backed evidence based. There is no difference in women's brains and men's brains. We all have the capacity to be brilliant at a whole bunch of different things. So over time, the, the, the subliminal and the not so subliminal messaging around what women are made for and what men are made for create a lack of confidence. And for any of you who have ever sat in talent sessions or roundtable discussions, performance, benchmarking, calibration, whatever you want to call it, you may have heard comments like, oh, well, yeah, that's just not, he's just not wired that way. It's just not a job for a woman. Um, or, you know, that the strategy area is really, that's quite, those are the really technical skills. She's got much better soft skills. I must admit soft skills as a sidebar. I detest that uh, terminology. Soft skills are relationship and interpersonal skills. Um, they are in emotional quotient skills, EQ skills, and they are business skills. So they are necessary as well. But the hard skills, women can learn them, and they are skills like any other skill with discipline practice can be mastered. So if you arrive at your career and you're sort of you know, early to, to mid-career and you're getting all of these messages, there it can create a lack of confidence, i.e., Will I go for the role in the finance department when I've had continual messaging since birth that that's not the place where women thrive or women uh, feel the most fulfilled or are the most confident? Or will I be directed towards uh, either overtly or covertly towards perhaps another area of the business? So these rigid gender stereotypes, they're, they're, they're not good for any gender, but for women, they create, because we start to believe what we, we hear continuously, you know, you say something often enough, it becomes the truth. We may start to believe things like, well, this is just not my jam. I'm not good with numbers. Now, strategy is not my thing, so on and so forth. So whenever you next feel like, okay, that's not a job for a woman, and all of us have mindsets um, that are buried deep within, examine your own mindset and really think critically is this really about a gender issue? Is this about me? Or is it just that I need to gain some new skills to prove them, well, either prove me wrong and prove them right or basically prove everyone wrong? So let's examine gender stereotypes, rigid gender stereotypes, and how they might be holding either you or the women in your organisation back. And by the way, for the leaders on the call today, I'm going to have some, I've got some leadership advice leaders and allies of women. I'm going to have some advice at the end about some of the things you might hear and the responses that you might want to give. So that's number one. Number two, uh, the double bind. And the, the double bind is, um, well, do then remember the Pantene hair shampoo ads from, from years ago um, where, you know, the... But they basically was was challenging the double bind. So it was about saying, well, is she is she being assertive or she is she being aggressive? If I'm a woman, I'm being aggressive. If I'm a man, I'm being assertive. So the double bind uh, means that there are double bind. The double bind means that there are different expectations for women and men around their behaviour. Yet we are told as women, perhaps sometimes, you know, step up, speak up, be more assertive. 
However, when we do, we're then, it's jarring for people who expect women to behave in a certain way. Again, rigid gender stereotypes and the social conditioning that all of us have had about the roles that women and men play in society, at work, careers, leadership and power. So things that can happen, uh, you might get feedback that is very, very gendered or hear feedback about, oh, she's got quite sharp elbows. Um, I must admit, I, I have heard that and thought, I wonder what the sharp elbows means. You know, she's, you know, pointing those elbows out. Uh, outspoken, aggressive, oh, she's a grumpy bitch. And yeah, that may have been directed at me a few times, but, you know, I was just saying to people, I have got a, a good RBF, resting bitch face, um, but it usually means I'm concentrating on something. I'm not angry. So go beyond appearances. Not a team player, selfish to ambitious. Uh, or a prima donna, not humble. And these are really interesting um, things to examine through a gender lens. And even today, I was having a conversation with uh, a group of, of people in one of my client organisations uh, around how do we run a gender lens over all of our policies, practices, behaviours and things like that. And if you were to run a gender lens over over this, would a man receive the same feedback as a woman. So when we hear these comments, yeah, that is the question to ask. Is he being confident or arrogant? Is he being confident or arrogant? And let's have some really solid criteria to evaluate those comments. And, and I guess the other thing that I'd say is for yourself, part of the I guess, realisation around the double bind is, is when you experience it, um, but you know that you're experiencing it so that, well, you may have the um, the position and um, the power in the moment to challenge it, but sometimes there's a power differential and you won't necessarily be able to challenge. So if your boss or your boss's boss is giving you feedback about you being a little bit aggressive, we're not always in a position to go, excuse me, this is a double bind and that's a double standard. But I do recall, um, well, not so long ago in my career, I was having a conversation, an end-of-year performance review, which frankly wasn't going particularly well, but there was a big personality uh, clash between my boss and I. And he he was giving me some feedback about a stakeholder had said that I was quite abrasive. Um, and it was an, from an incident six months ago. And I, I first thing I'm thinking is, dude, uh, management 101, you don't tell someone at their performance review something that happened six months ago. So that was number one thing that kind of ticked me off a little bit. But then it dawned on me, you know, that little voice that is up on the balcony when you're in a situation, my little voice went, oh, my goodness, I'm having the aggressive woman talk. That's what this feels like. And in the moment, I thought, what do I do about this? And I thought, right, I'm actually not going to do anything. I'm going to go away consider it and then come back and give feedback when I'm less angry because I was really angry and I didn't want to then have the emotional woman talk when I had an outburst. So having the, the, the knowledge means that we can be aware of when this behaviour is being directed at us and think about, okay, do I have the power to respond in the moment? Yes, no. Um, if it's no, go away, reflect, okay, how might I deal with this? And it might be that you have a trusted strategic mentor or you might have, be able to go back and give uh, constructive feedback to the person who, who's given you that feedback or you might just chalk it up to experience and say, you know what, I'm going to learn from this not to not ever do that. 
And what's interesting about the double bind is that 75% of the feedback that women get is based on their personality. And I don't know, the last time I looked, um, well, look, I run my own company and I've certainly run run other companies on behalf of shareholders and, and things like that. I don't know that personality was really going to drive the business forward. It was actually about a person who was able to, to help the business grow. Yes, you have to engage others and, and you know, have the good interpersonal skills, but 75% of the time, no. So let's think when we're in these situations, either the recipient of or an observer to, is this feedback about her or being given to her personality driven? If so, is this about taking the business forward and is it about helping her reach her full potential in the organisation? I'd suggest not. And of course, the other thing is, would a man get that feedback? So that's, you know, let's run um, a gender lens over feedback. Systemic issue number three, everyday sexism. You know, it's, it starts young, it continues through life, and frankly, it's exhausting. It's exhausting for all of you. Um, it's exhausting for women because, as it says, everyday sexism, and sometimes it's just a tiny, tiny little thing. But you may have heard about microaggression. So it's the, it's the one tiny little thing that either is said or happens. You think, you know what, in and of that self, oh, look, that's not too bad. But then there'll be another one, and then there'll be another one, and then micro, and they build up over time. Um, I, I once saw a, a video around microaggressions, which said, you know, it's just like, it's like a thousand mosquito stings or mosquito bites over time. Eventually you just go, ow, oh, that hurts and it's really bloody itchy. So what am I going to do about it? But everyday sexism starts, as I said, it starts young. And for those of you with small humans uh, in your life, um, it, it's, it's well worth looking at their literature, um, the the, the toy department, when you go into whether it's, you know, Sainsbury's, Target, um, you know, wherever, whatever retailers you go to, um, have a look at the, the very gendered way we, we send messages about what boys and girls do. So in this, in this picture, the, the little, um, boys are playing football and the little girls are, are drawing, uh, you know, have a skipping rope. And that, that's just a very mild version of, of the segregation or the, you know, the expectations that are put on kids. Let's move forward, though. What about when you're in the world of business? Now, you, you might note, so that this woman tweeted this year, this is in 2023, boarding a flight and was queried about her boarding pass because they said, sorry, we, we thought it was Dr. So-and-so that was was getting on the flight. And he said, yeah, that's me. Oh, a woman, a doctor. Um, so, you know, this is, put it this way, doing a quick search on hashtag everyday sexism on either Twitter or Instagram will, well, put it this way, do it on a day where you feel like getting a bit mad because you'll get a lot of evidence um, around it. So again, we have this, well, aren't doctors, aren't all doctors men? Of course they're not. Then there's kind of the benevolent sort of everyday sexism like this. Wow, goodness gracious me. Women aren't weak. Yeah, no, we're not. 
but being a full-time surgeon isn't an appropriate career choice for mothers because the job doesn't pay enough for the entourage to support such a demanding role. That's too hard and we've got to even things up and have more men entering medical school. I don't know about you, as when I had um, uh, small people to to take care of, I, I, I didn't have an entourage and frankly, if I could have, I would have, but I didn't have an entourage and I don't know, the last time I looked, folks, at, at surgeons, uh, their, their their gender um, wasn't really an indicator of how effective they were going to be. So this is the stuff that, that as I said, microaggressions, they wear you down over time. It's like the death of a thousand cuts. And I once had um, someone who I respect a lot in Australian rules football talk to me about women in football and and. Um, and women coaches and because the the organization I was involved in at the time we just appointed our first woman coach and Beck said to me another Beck not your Beck uh, she said you know Michelle when and if and she said it's probably going to be when not if your coach has a reaction that appears to be disproportionate to the situation at hand i.e an emotional outburst it is not an emotional outburst based on one incident. There will be 1,000 that have gone before that. And this is her reaction. Well, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. So I want you to be there as an ally for her to say to the people around her going, wow, she's getting really emotional about this issue. Say, actually, this is not the only issue. This has been happening time and time and time again. And frankly, she's been putting up with this crap since she was a kid. So let's take it into consideration. Everyone has a breaking point when they're immersed in this kind of stuff all the time. So here's some other everyday sexism that some of you may recognise as well. And, you know, I'd love to say that I've I've drawn this, uh, some of these comments and these themes out of the history books of when I first started work 943 years ago, but it's not. They were certainly happening 943 years ago when I started work, but these things are still happening. I want to point out a couple. You're so great at organising the insert whatever it needs organising, whether it's the gift for someone going on parental leave, whether it's the Christmas party, it's the team offsite, the the reward and recognition scheme, whatever it may be, and it's what what is called office housework or non-promotable tasks. Everyday sexism arrives and is, has taken up residence in our workplaces everywhere. And again, when people are being assigned tasks in your team, has a gender lens been run over it? Can you take the notes? Now, I am going to share a story that's, that's a little bit naughty, but it's very, very true. About 20-something years ago, I was um, a senior manager in Australia's major telco running a, a service centre and, a, and a, a couple of supplier relationships. And my boss and I had to have um, what we called a bit of a, you know, come to Jesus discussion uh, with our supplier who wasn't meeting their performance target. So we all sit down at the table. There's my boss, the managing director, the boss of the of the supplier organisation, the managing director, and me. And I was the, you know, the non-managing director. I was the person who was in charge of the relationship and all of the service delivery. Two guys, one woman. And my boss turned around to me and said, Michelle, will you take the notes? And before I could even think about it, I said, what, because I've got a vagina. And he just looked at me and went, 
oh, and as I said, as it, the words were coming out of my mouth, I thought, right, well, that, that'll be the end of my career. And he said to me, as the words were coming out of my mouth, he thought, oh, my God, what an idiot I am and how sexist, what a sexist pig. So we both had a very strong reaction and then he ended up taking the notes. And then he spent the next five years, literally, every time he saw me apologising for that. And I said, hey, let it go, man. You've learned the lesson. But this is the stuff. So the office health work, the non-promotable tasks, who are they going to? Are they always going to women? Um, or are they being evenly and equitably distributed across your team? Um, things like she's really nice, but can she cut it? Well, okay. Let's talk about what does cut it mean? And let's talk about the criteria for advancement. Has she met it or has she not met it? And again, um, some, some, yeah, a lot of research says that women are, are expected to prove it and prove it again. So prove our accomplishments again and again, whereas men are promoted on their potential. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that is in just a moment. So again, let's... let's uh, examine these statements and of course mansplaining and manterrupting these are a thing uh, as allies what we can do is speak up on behalf of our colleague who's being interrupted or explained to in a very patronizing way about her area of expertise we can really start to intervene but these things when that they're, they're happening as I said they're like the mosquito bites they're happening over and over and over again and it's not a lack of confidence She's just exhausted from navigating these very waters about what it means to be a woman in business and hearing all of these messages. So is it confidence or is it everyday sexism? Can I Let me have a talk. Michelle? Yes, Sorry. of course. Of There's course. a couple of questions coming that sort of relate to that slide. So I just wanted to, to yeah. point out to you now if that's okay. So there was Absolutely. one Caroline that came in at the beginning, but I think it still relates to that. Any improvement seen in society around confidence, i.e. are things changing, which from um, what you've said? And then one from Hannah, how do we call out these microaggressions without coming across as highly strong, stroppy feminist actually happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, dial down the emotion, Michelle. Well, you know, I'm kind of emotional because you've hurt my feelings. Um, and if you've hurt my feelings, you've kind of hurt all, all women's feelings with that statement. Um, look, it's a, a good question, and look, there are there are certainly techniques, and one of the one of the ones that I particularly like is, you know, if if you push someone into a corner by challenging them and demanding, there's two things that are going to happen. They're going to cower and sort of go, oh, go away and not give you a response, or they're going to come out swinging. And you want to avoid both situations. So one of the really nice ways when you hear a sexist remark and say, oh, what did you mean by that? Or I don't really understand. Can you help me explain? Especially when it's, oh, it's all right, love, it's only a joke. Oh, I, I didn't get the joke. Can you help me understand it? Because I'm clearly missing something. Give people, the perpetrator, uh, the opportunity to step back and reflect. Now, some will just, they, they, they're never going to get there. Um, they're, they're never ever going to change their behaviours and their ways. But I'd like to think that what we call the movable middle, the people who are perhaps not as aware yet of the impact of their behaviours, particularly around sexism, they may take a moment to say, oh, on reflection, yeah, I probably should, I probably need to pull my head in a little bit, probably need to be better next time. So you can do that in the moment. 
or wait. And, you know, I, I always think about my, my darling mother has given me so much good advice over the years, which, I, frankly, I didn't take any notice of until now. And one of the things is, Michelle, take a deep breath and count to 10 and then say what you need to say instead of going, Whip! you know, and putting a word salad all over someone. Counting to 10 can mean I'm going to go away and have a bit of a reflection, reflect on how that made me feel, and then ask to have a conversation with the person to say, hey, Bill, recently in the meeting you made this comment. That actually made me feel, insert the feeling, I'd like to understand why you wanted to make me feel that way or was it inadvertent? Can you can can you help me understand? Because it really did make me feel lousy. So give them an opportunity to hear how you felt and then respond. And you may get me to give them time to respond. Make a note of it. Um, even if you don't do anything about it, there's two things that will happen. Number one, it's very therapeutic to write something down. And I, there are, I have many, many, many emails that I've written in the heat of the moment and never sent probably just as well for my career, but writing something down. So having a journal or, or, you know, on your OneNote or wherever you keep your notes, write down the time, what happened verbatim and just file it because then there's a record that you can go back to at some point. If it becomes a repeated behavior, then you can seek advice from a trusted um, advisor, either within or external to your organization. Of course, if it continues, no one needs to put up with sexist uh, behaviour. Uh, you'll then have mechanisms, I hope, within your organisation to say, hey, I need someone else to intervene on my behalf. So that's sort of three levels um, that I think can be useful. But often it's a, oh, I, I don't get it. What did you mean? Um, give people an opportunity to step back and reflect on the comment that they've made. Was there another one, Beck, or is that is that it? Um, there was one from Caroline just from the beginning of the of the call. So she was just asking any improvement seen in society around confidence, i.e., are things changing? Um, it's a it's a big question, Caroline, and I'd love to say that that there is. Look, I, there's a lot of evidence to say that women are becoming more aware of the inequity around in workplaces and in society and they're able to recognize that inequity which is why I do what I do to highlight people of all genders how inequity comes um, you know is brought to bear in organizations um what we're not seeing though yet is that translate into outcomes like preventing the rates of attrition from, you know, we look at um, the rates of attrition of women engineers from the engineering um, profession. It's with 40% um, are lost within the first five to 10 years, which is extraordinarily bad. Now, you know, again, this is a system issue and we see the site similar trends. I haven't got the data though, similar trends in tech. Women are attriting or, or churning out of tech um, at a faster rate than they're coming in. So it's it's a hard question, Caroline, because that's not confidence. I think that's a lack of tolerance to be in environments 
that aren't conducive, that aren't allowing me to flourish, to thrive, to feel respected. So, but it will be viewed by some parties, by some folks as, oh, well, they just can't cut it. And she's just not confident enough to cut it in this world. And interestingly, in your own uh, environment, and I know that the the research, Meet Business Women research has just been released in the last month or so. And there are some, there are again, some pleasing trends within that research, but there's also some, some stuff to pay attention to that without critical thinking could be denoted as well, women just aren't confident enough to cover it in our industry. And it's just not the case. So that's a very long way of saying I don't know. Um, but what we have to do is keep building the awareness within women to say, it's not you, this is the system, and here's how to navigate it, as well as help people who are leaders in on the you know, in, in workplaces say is really nice, but can she cover is no longer an acceptable way to manage talent. I hope I hope that's useful. Okay, I'm going to share, well, I'm going to shut up and let someone else talk. Let me just make sure I've got my um, my proper, uh, yes, I've got my screen on properly. Let's hear from uh, Thomas Tremaro Pramuzic. Some of you may have heard his TED talk before. And just to let you know, it's called, Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? Let's have a listen to what Thomas has got to say about that. Have you ever worked with people who are not as good as they think? I know this will surprise you, but statistically, they are more likely to be male than female. That's right. Men are typically more deceived about their talents than women are. They are also more likely to succeed in their careers. That's because one of the best ways to fool other people into thinking that you're better than you actually are is to fool yourself first. This is why you may not just have worked with people who are not as good as they think, but also for them. Unfortunately, being unaware of your limitations increases your probability of being a boss. I'm an organizational psychologist. I use science and technology to predict and understand human behavior at work. One of the areas that fascinates me is the relationship between gender, personality, and leadership. More specifically, how gender and personality shape our choices of leaders and how those leaders then impact organizations. Discussions on gender tend to focus on the underrepresentation of women in leadership, which is more or less universal. Anywhere in the world, well, outside Iceland perhaps, the vast majority of leaders are male. But a bigger problem is the fact that most of these leaders are incompetent. Indeed, whether in business or politics, most leaders have very negative effects on their followers and subordinates causing low levels of engagement, trust and productivity, and high levels of burnout and stress. Just Google my boss is to see what most people think of their managers. And maybe, just maybe, feel a bit better about your manager. Crazy, abusive, unbearable, toxic, and some other things that are just too rude to repeat here. 
So the main question we should be asking is not why there aren't any more women leaders, but why so many incompetent men become leaders. My research suggests there are three main reasons for this. The first is our inability to distinguish between confidence and competence. Anywhere in the world, we assume that confident people have more potential for leadership, but in any area of talent, including leadership, there is just very little overlap between confidence, how good people think they are at something, and competence, how good they actually are at something. I grew up in Argentina, where the gap between confidence and competence is particularly pronounced. In fact, one of the best investments you can make in your life is to buy an Argentine for what he's worth and sell him for what he thinks he is worth. As you can imagine, I can't crack this joke back home. We're just not self-aware enough to find it funny. Unfortunately, though, most leaders have something Argentine in them in that their self-perceived talents tend to surpass their actual talents. The second reason is... Okay, so, Thomas, uh, and, and that is a brilliant TED Talk. I'm only giving you a snippet of it. There's a TED Talk, an article, and a book, and I highly re- recommend all three. All around the world, we associate displays of confidence with leadership potential. and that is simply bunkum. So what we want to do here is say, okay, um, our competence is our ability to do something. Confidence is the belief that I can do something. To illustrate this, let me put, put, imagine yourself. You're in an operating theatre. You're about to have brain surgery. Do you want a competent brain surgeon? or a competent brain surgeon. I'll tell you what, folks, I want a competent brain surgeon. So confidence and charisma is still seen as the recipe for leadership potential. So when we hear things like, well, she's just not confident enough, is it because um, she, well, literally hasn't got the goods? Or should we be saying, What are the competencies required to make sure this job can get done? So again, this is the the fourth of many, but the fourth that I'm going to share with you today. So when she's not competent, I beg your pardon, seen as not confident enough, is she competent? And that's the question that we should be asking. Because right now we're still, as hiring managers, and I say we as the general, um, society still rewards confidence and charisma rather than competence and credibility in terms of leadership advancement. So again, this is critical thinking piece number four. So what do we do about all this? So how to become a more confident businesswoman? Because there's no doubt confidence can be useful because a lack of confidence in yourself can be crippling. The first thing I want to point out is I'm going to, there are four things I'm going to go through two today because we're not going to have time to go through all four. But number one, which inner voice do you choose to hear? Now, there's a a whole bunch of thoughts and um, feelings and things that we have that create an internal dialogue or or that, that ongoing narrative. And when you learn to pay attention to your thoughts and the feelings that they create, You can then examine what's really going on for me here. Am I really not confident in this moment? Oh, God, I feel nervous. I'm not confident. 
Well, I can say that before before every single um, Meet Business Women event or any other workshop that I'm running, I feel nervous. I don't feel not confident because I know my stuff, but I feel nervous because I care about my craft. I care about providing all of you with a really great experience. So I feel the butterflies. I feel the, a little bit of nervousness. Is it crippling anxiousness? No, but I'm paying attention to my innermost thoughts, which are creating feelings in me. My thoughts are, I really want to do a good job. So I've got to be prepared and I've got to nail this. So this is that what we've got to do is stop, breathe, reflect. What am I really thinking right now? So paying attention to your inner voice and paying attention to the right kind of narrative or retraining yourself, frankly, to talk to yourself a little bit more nicely. So things like, oh, this is a big thing that I've got to do. And uh, I've got to say, I've just uh, done a whole bunch of sessions with some uh, keynote speakers at a conference uh, that I was emceeing. And each one of them said words to this effect. I am so nervous. I think I'm going to stuff it up. And I said, I want you to say, this is a big deal. This is a really big mountain to climb, but I'm going to do my absolute best. So you will do your best. So you turn up as your best self and you are going to do your best. And the reality is, you will. So that's one mindset shift. My nervousness motivates me to do well. And that for me, that's my inner dialogue. I'm nervous because I care. And when I care, I really bring my best self. I'm really going to be prepared and make sure that I nail it every single time, whether it's a one-on-one meeting with a new client, whether it's a Meet Business Women workshop, Whatever it may be, if I'm nervous about it, I care, and that's really going to motivate me to do well. So it's okay to feel the butterflies. You know what? I feel a bit wobbly, and I know this is outside my comfort zone, but this is really important. And I'm just going to, I'm really going to front up, and I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm not going to shy away. I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to say yes, and I'm going to get this done because this is important for insert whatever it's important for my career, um, my life, my whatever it may be. Um, Well, whatever happens, I'll be able to handle it. And my internal dialogue or my narrative often is, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? Hmm, I could die. That's not going to happen, Michelle, so let's move on. This is not going to kill you. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Sometimes there's a, a lot of wisdom in those old sayings. And you know what? I remember I've done this before. I've done this before and I know it will work out and I know that I'm going to bring my best self. So the call to action for you here, folks, is what are the situations where you feel confident and when are the situations you feel less confident and how can you bring the times when you felt confident? What are the factors? What's the, what, what's the recipe for you feeling confident? What's going on for you there? And how can you Lift that up and pop it into the situations where you feel less than confident. So import that confidence from one situation to another. And the second one is how might you pay more attention to that internal narrative, you know, that loop that's going on in our head? What am I saying to myself? And another way of looking at that is thinking, paying attention to what you're saying to yourself. Would you say to one of your direct reports or a a woman that you're mentoring, would you say the same thing to her? And if you wouldn't say it to her, don't say it to yourself. So let's start being, yes, it's about 
you know, self-compassion and self-love. But let's start getting really, let's being at, start being our own supportive coach. Let's get ourselves in our own corner here. So help yourself by paying attention to that internal narrative that's going on. The second thing is, <clears throat> pardon me, competence. So let's go back to the competent brain surgeon versus the confident brain surgeon. Competence breeds confidence. When you think about in the past, when you think about the things where you go, oh, that was the best day, that was the best presentation I've given, that was the best, you will have been confident because you were resting on your strengths and your competencies. And one of the things that I want you to do in terms of that internal dialogue and that narrative is to start using this as your new mantra. You are a competent credible businesswoman who is entitled to be here and here is wherever you are in that moment and I once had a boss who said to me you know what Michelle you just need to get a bit more entitlement into you and I said what do you mean by that Paul and he said look at all these blokes around you they're in, they've got a sense of entitlement they're entitled they know they're entitled to be here be like them or another way of putting that is carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white man. And there's one in front of us right now because let's look at Leo. Leo's about as old as I am and he's saying to the world, I only date 23-year-old women. So, you know, that's that's confidence and that's entitlement for you. So sometimes you do have to say, you know what, I'm entitled to do this and away I go. But seriously, we'll say see you to Leo now. How can you uh, work from uh, a position of competence? Number one, you've got to do the work. What are your strengths and what are your skills? So if, if you don't know your strengths, find out. There are heaps of tools, two that I particularly like, um, the VIA character strengths, because that then talks to you about your character and your um, attributes that, are, that you lead with, and the Gallup Strengths Finder. And some of you will know I've talked about that before. Um, you invest, I think, around... You know, 20 or 30 US dollars and you get a really comprehensive report about what your top five strengths are, how they play out in your life, in your career and in leadership, and you can start to understand them. Know what you deliver and celebrate your achievements. And I want you to start recording them and starting your brag book. Now, and don't get accomplishment amnesia because when things are wobbly, when you have one of those days when you just want to stay in bed and pull the duvet over your head, they're the days when you get out your brand book and go, you know what, I am a competent, credible, amazing businesswoman and I, I deserve to be here. For me, my brand book has always been, I've got an email folder called, it's just called Stuff. And that's where I put the nice stuff. It's usually the, when someone's given me a nice compliment or I've, I've, nailed a contract but whatever it may be the stuff that that makes me know and remember what my accomplishments are and what it is that I bring to the world because yes even I have wobbly days where I have I want to have a duvet day so that's when I open it up and just remind myself of the impact I have and the good things that I do and the strengths and, and what it is that I deliver so remember your accomplishments start recording them and they're a good thing to have handy when at the end of year performance review, your boss says, tell me about what you're proud of for this year. Well, I'm so glad that you asked, Andrea, because here they all are. And we can step up and, and self-promote with authenticity and growth. 
there's a, a a beautiful Venn diagram that that my amazing friend, mentor, and and, and business colleague Susan Colantuno says that she says confidence, competence, and courage can be seen as three circles in a Venn diagram. When you are competent, um, it gives you the confidence to talk, speak up, be assertive, be present, take up space, whatever those those things are that you're told to do. And if you think about those competencies that you've got and you think about the times when you've nailed it, when you felt absolutely at your at the peak of your confidence, it will be because you've been confident, a bigger pardon competent. So for me, that means, you know, prior preparation prevents poor performance and it means knowing your skills and what you bring. And that confidence is then fuels, fuels your courage to step out of your comfort zone and perhaps try some new things, go for that job or the stretch assignment or the project team or the chair's position, whatever it may be, or the speaking gig. Often public speaking is what comes up about now. People go, how do I get over my fear of public speaking? Well, start to get good. Hone your craft. That builds confidence and that gives you the courage to go into bigger and bigger um, environments where you can really shine. So competence, confidence, courage. It's a, it's a beautiful trilogy um, that go together. A quick word on, on levels. So these are, if, if I think about career start, middle career, senior, these are, this is how it differs by level because clearly as you move through your career, uh, there are going to be different things. So paying attention at, uh, to the right levels of competencies for your career stage. At the start of your career, it's really starting to nail the fundamentals. How do I build my technical, professional, te technical and functional skills, my competencies, um, start working, you know, internal relations, i.e. politics, how does the world work in my organisation, what are the human dynamics, how do, I, how do I learn about that and how to navigate it, and of course, self-presentation skills. We move into the middle part of our career. Um, starting to be more learn the competencies around leading people and leading leaders of people. Those are competencies that you must gain and their skills, like any other skill, can be learned and mastered through discipline practice. Industry, well, hello, you're here, meet business women. You're in the industry um, association. You're learning about other parts of the industry, what's happening in your ecosystem, what's happening geopolitically, and, of course, across your organisation, building those cross-functional relationships and building your leadership brand. He is known as a leader of XYZ. And then the competencies when you move into senior executive and C-suite roles, you need to know business strategic and, well, you need to have business strategic and financial acumen when you are leading the organisation or a part of the organisation. Those are must-have gate opener competencies and you will not make it there without them external relations so who are the regulators the investors the shareholders the i beg your pardon the investors um the investor analysts uh the customers and the and the uh suppliers that help your business run and of course building and demonstrating your executive presence executive presence is the ability to attract and hold the attention of a set of stakeholders whilst delivering a business-savvy message. So competence does differ by level um, or by career stage, and paying attention to those, and particularly for those of you who are coaching others, is useful.
I know I'm nearly out of time. So make sure you take the right action. Pardon me. And just a, a word again on, on those letter, those words and phrases about confidence. How, how many of them are related to taking the business forward, achieving and sustaining extraordinary outcomes? Just the one. So have the information to get, get your job done. But the rest of them are all around, for those of you who've been in, on any of my other workshops, they're all around the things that women are already known as being extraordinarily good at. But think about the, the advice that you're given about being more confident. Is this about me helping them to move the business forward? And finally, let's stop fixing women and start fixing the system. And here's some ways to do that. Instead of speak up, or if someone says speak up, let's say, actually, how might we actively seek out her ideas? How might we use effective listening skills and arrange for her to have speaking opportunities? Be more assertive. Well, proactively make room for her space and manage the mansplainers or the derailers uh, or the manterrupters who actually derail her confidence. Be more confident. For leaders, actually, I've, I've, doubled, I've doubled up on a word there, which is incorrect. Don't mistake a perceived lack of confidence for a lack of competence. So that should be competence, that second word. So her competence will be there. We just sometimes we have to look a little harder. We have to go beyond the confidence and charisma and look for the competence and credibility. Soften those sharp elbows. Don't penalise women for behaviours that are acceptable by men. The end. I don't think I need to expand on that. And how about you go to a confidence building course, training session, whatever it may be. Well, actually... How about we invest that money into training managers about how to identify competence and examine their mindsets about women, leadership and confidence. So there's some advice for allies and how to coach all of our colleagues on fixing the system, not fixing women. And finally, go beyond the headline. So when you read something about women being confident, go beyond it, think critically, go deeper and say, is this really what my CEO wants me to know and to do. Thanks, folks. Oh, I just scraped in. I'm, I'm over. So, back, back to you. Thank you. And I was just going to say, what timing skills, Michelle? That was fab, just in time. Um, thank you so much. I know you've had a, um, you've uh, had a few flight nightmares trying to get back home and deliver this masterclass for us. So, huge thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Meet Business Women is the global professional network for women working across the meat industry. Our mission is to connect women working in every role, driving positive change and providing a support network like no other. Visit meetbusinesswomen.org to find out more.